Hello world and welcome to Her Royal Science. Thanks so much for tuning in to our very last episode of 2019. Today I'll be sharing my PhD journey with you all with the help of my partner. You may know him as Igor or as Ashraf. Hi everyone. I am here to reprise my role as interviewer, the <laughs> asker of questions. Um, and we kind of thought this was the perfect time to come back and check in as you've recently wrapped up your PhD Yay! in neuroscience uh-huh. and you know we've kind of chatted between us what this has meant to you this last four years have been kind of an opportunity for a lot of growth and change and change on your perspective of the world and you know it's it's a good time to refocus yourself and mm-hmm. figure out what you've learned from the situation and perhaps pass on some wisdom to mm-hmm. people coming after you. So how does it feel to be done? It feels awesome. It's a huge sense of relief mixed in with a lot of joy mm-hmm. and realizing that this entire experience is so much bigger than me. I've mm-hmm. talked about this countless times where this wasn't just about me getting a PhD. This is my mother getting a PhD. This is my brother getting a PhD, my dad, you, mm-hmm. anyone who's close to me, all the people who've contributed to who I am as a human being. Right. I just felt like this was such a big moment for us. Mm-hmm. And so every time I realized I had finished, I kept on going, we did it. We made it. Mm-hmm. This is it. We did it. <laughs> and it just felt really awesome to have that and have people to share it with. Of course. Yeah, it was really, really nice. I'm so excited to be moving to Edinburgh. Right. Spoilers. I I know. I I secured a position with a phenomenal principal investigator at the University of Edinburgh, and I'll be starting in a couple of months now. Literally less than a month. No, no, more than a month and a half. Sorry, it's not January. No, we're, we're, we're moving in January. Yes. We have our tickets booked. We're starting to yes. move, like pack things up in the house. So things are a bit of a mess. M- more wires got crossed, I thought, moving, starting. No, thankfully we scheduled in about four weeks yes. where we don't have anything to do, nothing planned other than finding an apartment. Mm-hmm. And that'll be the number one thing on our to-do list once we arrive. Yes. How does it feel for you to know that I'm done? A bit of relief, a bit of... (laughs) um, To me, it was very much a foregone conclusion. I think I had much less doubts or fears. I'm glad that you're through this part of your life Mm -hmm. because I know that it was definitely stressful at points. Mm -hmm. But I think you were definitely always your worst critic and your worst... You always came up with the worst case scenario and we're working based off of that. Oh, I'm very good at that. I know you are. (laughs) Over four years, that tends to get very stressful Mm -hmm. and always expecting the worst is a hard life to live. Mm -hmm. And then you're prepared. I know that you're prepared, but it's very stressful Mm. and it, that's that's where a bit of the relief comes from because it's 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 just such a big weight off your shoulders mm-hmm. that you can now sort of breathe normally mm-hmm. and and be excited and look forward to the next steps and things like that and all of a sudden it's not a week by week schedule of these are the things I have yeah. to do now that the big secret is out and you're thesis is going to be published publicly yeah um do you want to tell everyone a little bit of what you studied or what your focus was what are you the world expert in now (laughs) those are big words 
I studied traumatic brain injury, or as it's sometimes known as its short form, TBI. And what I was Mm -hmm. really interested in is what happens to your brain after you get hit in the head, which can Mm -hmm. happen if you fall down. It can happen if you're exposed to a motor vehicle accident or even playing sports. Mm -hmm. So really what I did, along with members of my lab and collaborators that work closely with us, I investigated the behavioral as well as the brain pathological consequences of TBI. Mm -hmm. So in terms of behavior, we looked at memory, we looked at motor changes, and we actually looked at delay of gratification or some level of impulsivity after injury. And the way that we looked into these changes after injury was using a model of head injury. So we first demonstrated that this model was capable of replicating many of the features of human TBI. Mm -hmm. And some of them include the behavioral changes that I mentioned before. Mm -hmm. And then also some of the reported brain changes like inflammation in the brain Mm -hmm. and damage sustained by the axons, which are your information highway in the brain. So using this model in the future, we're hoping that it can be used to validate promising drug targets and eventually ameliorate some of the behavioral and brain pathology that is associated with brain injury. So that's what I basically did over the last four years. I helped other people with their projects as well. Mm -hmm. But the core of it was model development and validation for my work. And how did you realize that traumatic brain injury was something that you would be interested in spending such a major part of your life? studying? Mm -hmm. Kind of by accident, to be honest. Mm -hmm. When I first applied to come to UBC, I didn't have the specifics of what I wanted to study for my PhD Mm -hmm. hammered out. You know this, I've talked about this before. But the professor who would later become my PhD supervisor emailed me. We started a conversation Mm -hmm. because she was interested in having me a part of the lab. And I was also interested in the work that she was doing pertaining to traumatic brain injury. Right. Some element of generalizability in terms of the research topic was really important to me. I wanted what I was studying to be applicable to a lot of people. Right. And it was disconcerting to me that so much research is done in diseases that should be investigated, but oftentimes they affect a small percentage or a fraction of a percentage of people around the world. Mm -hmm. And for my PhD, I really wanted to kind of make a splash and do something that applied to anyone from across socioeconomic backgrounds, from across ethnic backgrounds, regardless of where you grew up, Mm -hmm. anyone and across the age spectrum, which is important. Anyone can sustain a TBI. Yes, some people are more likely to sustain a brain injury relative to others, Mm -hmm. but it really is something that can affect you, it can affect me, our parents, our children, our Mm -hmm. friends, no matter what. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that was really important to me. Funnily enough, I had taken a course at BU in my last year where my final project was about traumatic brain injury in right. pediatrics. Mm-hmm. And, and I just thought it was so cool because I had forgotten that I had did that. I had done that. Then I go through all my files and I find this and I thought maybe it was a premonition. <laughs> <laughs> I've always had a, an affinity for this because we had the ability to choose any topic. Right. Of our it interest. was kind of a research project at yeah, the end. Exactly. And it was a grad studies course. It was the only grad studies course I had taken at mm-hmm. BU. And I just happened to do that. And because I had done so much background research then, mm-hmm, maybe mm-hmm. I was already primed to like TBI. And if that's the case, I'm 100% fine with that. Yeah. So kind of to come back to the, what you've learned and what you've kind of gathered from this experience, what surprised you the most about the lab environment that you ended up in and the overall experience you see in grad school? I was 
just shocked as to how similar it was to corporate America. Right. My father was a part of corporate for quite a few years when mm. I was growing up. So I was exposed to that society. I knew what it was like and I knew what was expected of him and others around him because of it. And I, for some reason, maybe ludicrously thought that science and academia would be the antithesis to that. Mm -hmm. And I thought everyone would be just, you know, working together, hurrying, making sure that we're all supporting each other's findings and helping each other get ahead. And I honestly thought that the hierarchy of the old boys club would be much less present. Mm -hmm. So because that existed and I was aware of it fairly early on, I was for some reason very protective of the undergraduates in my lab. And especially the girls. And so these undergrads would come in to the lab to work for work terms or to volunteer. But because of the mentality that exists in academia, and we can talk about this in a little bit more depth, but there is a very obvious and unfortunate belittling of graduate and undergraduate experiences in labs. And I didn't want to perpetuate that notion Mm -hmm. So I found myself constantly checking in with them, making sure that they felt heard, making sure they didn't feel overworked because as a somewhat marginalized group, I didn't want them to feel disregarded because they were at the bottom of the academic food chain, so mm. to speak. There is definitely this, you're either useful to me or you're not, and you're either dedicated or you're not. And if you have chosen to make this your career, you're almost fighting the entire time to prove that you are dedicated enough, mm -hmm. which usually involves sacrificing most facets of your life because you need to be that person that is able to work through the weekend mm -hmm. at the drop of a hat. If someone emails you at 10 p.m. saying they need this by in 10 minutes, they expect you to be able to open up your laptop mm -hmm. and do the thing that they just asked you to do. And if you fall into the pile of not dedicated mm -hmm. it it's it's almost crazy how quickly everything around you turns mm -hmm. and how people almost stop mentoring you or check out because all of a sudden you aren't willing to dedicate your entire existence mm -hmm. to this and it is a really delicate balance mm -hmm. because i'm aware that people have lives outside of the lab but you also don't want people to take advantage of your recognition of their lives. Absolutely. So you do want people to still be present and in the lab and thinking about the material. You, mm -hmm. want, to, you want to see people being proactive mm -hmm. because science and most facets in life are so forward facing and we're going a mile a minute trying to understand so many questions mm -hmm. that are, haven't been answered yet about the brain that if you feel like someone is slowing you down, it, it can be difficult to reconcile that as well. Absolutely. I think it comes with the assumption that someone truly wants to be in this mm -hmm. field and wants to succeed in this field. And I think that's that's when there is some protection of overwork is needed. Yeah. Whereas on the flip side, of course, if you feel like someone is not, there, there is definitely a balance between devoting your entire life to it and having to sacrifice everything that made you who you are up until this point mm -hmm. to work on this one degree mm -hmm. and then almost burning yourself to the bone mm -hmm. trying to push it out yeah. versus not breaking a sweat and taking advantage of other people's willingness to pick up the pieces around you because they know that it reflects poorly on them. Mm -hmm. And I know that 
more people are in the former Absolutely. than the latter. There are more people who are willing to make sacrifices, mm -hmm. almost too much. And that's yes. why I want to make sure I, I slot myself in and go, no, you need to have weekends. Yes. Go home at five. Mm -hmm. Make sure you have something fun lined up. If mm -hmm. you find lying in bed watching Netflix fun, make sure you schedule that in. Yeah, you find because going out and dancing fun. Do that. Schedule that in. Yeah, make sure that you prioritize your mental health, your physical well-being, because those do get pushed to the wayside. Absolutely. When you are, again, at the sort of bottom of the food chain yes. in academia. Which is why people have grown to take advantage of it, because they know that these people have come into this because it's a passion. They're mm -hmm. chasing a passion. They, they want to make a difference. They want to make a statement. They want to succeed, and they're willing to do anything, anything mm -hmm. <laughs> as cliche as that sounds. Mm -hmm. So taking all of that into consideration, everything we've talked about now, would you do anything differently now if you knew what you know now at the start of your PhD? If you got a reset button? <laughs> Honestly, that's a really good question. I got a lot better at doing this towards the end of my degree, but celebrating the small victories? Mm-hmm. Because a milestone is a milestone, no matter what. It doesn't matter if it's big or small, paper or not. Getting through the week, surviving your experiments, making sure that everything was done well, animals mm. were taken care of. Those are very important things to celebrate. Mm -hmm. And because our outputs are basically papers and manuscripts mm -hmm. and maybe even your thesis, if you don't have that regularly, you feel like you're not making progress. Yeah. So I really do wish I had incorporated that earlier on and more frequently. Mm -hmm. I also wish that I never felt as guilty taking time off mm -hmm. where in the week leading up to my holidays, I would feel awful mm -hmm. and I would tell people, don't worry, you can access me by email. I'll still be available. It's totally fine. Mm -hmm. Oh, if you need me, especially if you happen to schedule it right when grants are being written. And it always feels like grants are being written, to be completely honest. Yeah, definitely. So it's really tough not to feel guilty, mm -hmm. but you've put in the hours, you've put in your days, sometimes incorporating weekends as well, because you have to. Mm -hmm. I wish I didn't have that guilt. And I'm hopeful that when I do start my postdoctoral fellowship, that I won't have that because maybe my mentality also will have changed. Right. I'm an employee. Yes, I'm still a trainee, but being in school is very different from being an apprentice outside of school. Coming back to a point previously about celebrating small victories, did you feel like the meetings gave you a point or uh, something to celebrate? Because it feels like that would be very much a check-in. This is what I've done. Here's my little package, even though it's not a paper. You mean lab meetings? Lab meetings mm -hmm. or even presentations at conferences or even local little meetups that we had, you know, mm -hmm. such as pathology day or something like that. Mm -hmm. did, did those not feel like they were check-ins? Did they feel almost too stressful? You would think that those would be little milestones that you could celebrate, but did it not feel that way? They did feel like milestones. I never wanted to show up to the same conference with same information year after year. Right. So I took pride in being able to do that three years in a row at neurotrauma that each year I had something different. Mm -hmm. First year was one chapter, second year was a second chapter, and then third was a project collaboration with an industry partner. Mm -hmm. So it did kind of feel like progress, but at the same time, a poster is not a paper. 
Of course. So in the time when those projects hadn't transformed into manuscripts, it was hard to feel celebrated. Mm-hmm. It was a thing that I had to do. Going to conferences was a thing that I was sent to do, do mm-hmm. a good job, come back, hit the ground running and continue. What about the small group meetings? It depended on how I guess I had been feeling that day. Right. And with animal work, you are spending months at times not mm-hmm. producing results. Mm-hmm. You're doing work, but there's no evidence to that work being completed. So at times when you would go around the table of what's going on with you, what's new with you, do you have results, you want to put it up on the PowerPoint projector so that we can all see, there were a lot of weeks I didn't have anything. Mm-hmm. So my update was, yep, still doing my work. Right. Yep, still going on, now doing more behavior. Um, mm-hmm. Now we're processing brain samples, that kind of thing. So I, at times it was helpful, mm-hmm. and other times it was honestly a bit demoralizing. Because right. Because you... The question comes because there is an expected positive answer of, yes, this is what I have to show you. Mm -hmm. And when you don't have that, you can feel bad. Fair. Mm -hmm. Academically, though, what did you find was the hardest time in this? Because there's almost two simultaneous streams happening while you're in graduate school. You have your academics. You have your trying to learn and master this field and Mm -hmm. become a world expert. And then you obviously have the physical these are the experiments I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So academically, what was the kind of hardest time you found? I I suppose I hinted at it earlier in our conversation, the period where you're just not producing. And because we have these tangible metrics of papers Mm -hmm. as evidence of your busyness, Mm -hmm. if you feel busy, but you don't have papers, you feel like your busyness is misdirected. Right. And you're not doing something right. So... There was a period of time where I had multiple projects going on simultaneously and none of them seemed like they were close to the finish line. Mm -hmm. And the questions keep on coming up. When is this being published? When is this coming out? Mm -hmm. And the truth of the matter was neither was close to publication. Both were in the midst of being completed. So Mm. that for me happened in my third year. Thankfully, I was also preparing for my comprehensive. It's weird that I say thankfully, but I think it gave me enough time to step away from the work. Really admire how much I had learned Mm -hmm. in the last two to three years Mm -hmm. and then come back with fresh eyes and go, this is actually a lot further along than I thought. Mm -hmm. Let's work on this. Let's expedite this work or let's work on this simultaneously so that they finish around the same time. I just had a much fresher perspective. What about personally? Personally, there are a few. Mm -hmm. I got very sick at the very beginning of my graduate degree. I started in September 2015. Mm -hmm. I think it was the first or second week of that month. And September 16th, if I remember correctly, is when I was so sick, I had to go to urgent care. Mm. And it was awful. And to this day, I don't know what I was afflicted with and the doctors didn't know I was a case study for a lot of the new doctors. They'd come and inspect me and go, Oh my God, we've never seen anything like this before. So that was really tough to be completely honest. I had a conversation with my mom who came in from Victoria Mm -hmm. to be with me because I was miserable. Mm -hmm. And even though I told her I was fine, I think she knew I wasn't. So she came and we were sitting in the hospital 
and I thought, I'm either going to die or I have to leave this program. Mm. And I didn't know how to tell my PI that I had to leave because mm. I had just gotten there and I thought, oh my God, she believes in me and she trusts that I can do this. So dealing with that very early on was tough and then having to continue to go to class, I didn't tell anybody. Of I told one person mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who I'm very thankful was around for me. But it was very tough. And then later on, because we live in a a scary society where, especially in the U.S., but in other places around the world, people can harm you using guns. Mm -hmm. And you can be in a very safe space or what you thought was a safe space and then hurt you and violate that safe space. That happened a number of times when I was in graduate school. It happened beyond on an annual basis. I think it was every couple of months at a certain point. And there was one point, I believe November 2015, where three really awful incidents happened. And I just thought, maybe I'm not cut out for this because I care too much. Mm. And I'd come to work and people were fine. And I thought, there must be something wrong with me. Why am I so affected by this? Why do I care this much about people I've never met before, but it it actually stirred me and bothered me to my core. I don't think I ever truly got over it. Mm-hmm. I got better at taking time to be sad. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that's the part of grad school people don't talk about. Mm-hmm. We talk about... <clears throat> We talk about the unhealthy work environment that sometimes arises in some labs. We talk about how, you know, the expectations are so malleable, but also very high at the same time. Mm -hmm. We talk about how you're in this very bizarre stage in your life. The vast majority of us are right after undergrad. So we're between the ages of 21 and 25. So we're technically adults. We don't really feel like adults because we're students and we're not being paid like adults. Mm -hmm. But we also need to take care of ourselves and make sure that we're trying to save and thinking about the future and perhaps setting up families and that kind of thing. And you you neglect to bring up the fact that the world continues to go on outside of your little bubble. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, I just couldn't reconcile those two things of feeling so strongly about people losing their lives in a way that I thought was despicable and having to show up to work every day and try to figure out how I fit into this big academic society at the same time. I find a lot of people just create a bubble around themselves and shut themselves away from the world for the duration of their degree. And I understand why it is easier that way. And that was the explanation that I told myself for why people didn't seem to be as affected as I was. And perhaps they were, and maybe they were hiding it the way I was for a very long time. Maybe they would go home and cry. Maybe they couldn't watch the news anymore. I just cannot watch the news. Just Mm -hmm. cannot do it. Maybe people are having their own singular experiences and I'm just not aware of it, but it did feel very isolating at times. And then when it felt like people like me 
people who look like me, people who dress like me, were on the receiving end of certain hostility around the world. There were times I felt alone because showing up at work, there was no one who went, I get it. I know exactly what you're going through right now. Mm -hmm. What about the times that you were the happiest? Because this obviously wasn't just the worst time of your life ever. Um, (laughs) I don't think anyone can go through that. Um, There's obviously, there must be ups. (laughs) There are ups for sure. I was lucky enough to find a work-life balance that worked for me. Mm-hmm. And part of that meant finding someone I wanted to share my life with. And not a lot of people get married in grad school. I did. No. <laughs> and it worked out pretty well, I would say. I agree. So far, so good. Yeah. It's been two and a bit years now. We're Almost two and two, a half. Two and a half, yeah. Yeah, we're going to be two and a half in February, which is so yeah. exciting and humbling that we want to do this together and we're taking off on this new journey and trying to be as supportive as possible to Mm -hmm. each other's mental well-being and professional success and hopes and dreams. Mm -hmm. I also started doing SciComm when I was a PhD student. Science Mm -hmm. communication was not something I truly ever thought about in depth prior Mm -hmm. to my PhD, maybe because I had something to talk about. Mm. And I had work that I really wanted to share and make accessible. So I started doing that. This podcast started when I was in graduate school in my last year. And I also had other opportunities to engage with the community through things like Curiosity Collider Mm -hmm. and Community Conversations, which was run by Neuroethics Canada. And that collaboration has fostered even more connections through science communication. It's been really, really special. Absolutely. As cliche as it sounds, I've appreciated the friendships and the connections that I've made probably even more than I had in the past because of what I've been able to go through. Because I have people that I can trust. I have people that can give me really good advice as well. And that's helpful. I have very wise amazing, extraordinary, insightful people in my circle. Mm -hmm. And I have never depended on them more than in the last four years. Even friends that I've met in other places and we've maintained this international connection, I've been in admiration of those friendships basically since I started in 2015. Mm -hmm. Those friendships have gotten much stronger. All of those things didn't get put on the back burner because I was doing my PhD. Mm -hmm. So if there's anything I am proud of beyond finishing, beyond writing the thesis and putting everything together and defending, I am proud that I'm still myself. Mm -hmm. I probably have a lower tolerance for people. (laughs) I find people a little annoying sometimes. But for the most part... I still care about the same things. I care about the same people. Mm -hmm. I care about justice and equality. I care about representation. I care about being more or representing more than just yourself. When you show up, you are your family members, you are your parents, your children, your friends. Mm -hmm. Because you are an amalgamation of all of your life's experiences. And most of these experiences involve people. 
Yeah, of course. So that's something that I take away with pride leaving my PhD. So then putting it all together, what is the advice you can give to, I guess, people pursuing this option, career, this path? And don't people do it. currently Just don't. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why are you choosing this life? You know that advice doesn't work. I guess it depends on what their personal experience is at the time. Mm-hmm. If they're having an amazing time in graduate school, they don't need my advice. Obviously, yeah. They're doing totally fine. Mm-hmm. But if they're in a lull, you know, there's so many aspects to advice. And part of the reason I don't like giving it in a blanket way. Mm-hmm. If someone perhaps is feeling the way that I felt and is feeling like the world is moving in a way that doesn't really bring you joy. Mm-hmm. And you feel... Like you're this little person who can't make it all better. I would say surround yourself with people who actually think similarly because then you can band together and do your little part. One of the things that made me feel better after the shooting in Quebec was actually going to a rally in downtown Vancouver. And for the first time in a couple of days, I felt normal and human again. It was a sad get-together because mm-hmm. we were commemorating these lost lives. But it I didn't feel alone. There were other people who felt sad. And for some reason, that made me feel better. Right. That I wasn't the only person sitting in my room on a Friday evening when everyone is happy and going out. People feel sadness when bad things happen. Mm-hmm. And I know you don't want to turn it into a pity party, but sometimes a pity party is healthy. I tell people that all the time. Give yourself a pity party. Throw the best pity party ever. Mm-hmm. And then you try to put yourself together and pick up the pieces and put it all together in a way that makes sense. Take the lesson from whatever has come your way and move forward. Don't move on, move forward. Mm-hmm. If that is not the thing that's affecting you and maybe it's just the feeling of Things aren't moving quickly enough. Talk to other graduate students. Talk to more senior people. Hear the different stories of what graduate school looks like. Because Mm -hmm. it looks very different to absolutely everyone. Mm -hmm. I have never heard of two individuals having an identical PhD or master's degree. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't happen. Whether it's incorporating length differences or the pattern of publication, no publication at all, many publications where they ended up afterwards. There are people who decide academia is it for them. They want to go the postdoc to tenure track to tenured professional route, or others who want to go straight into industry. Some people who want to leave science completely. Mm-hmm. Others want to do science communication. There's so many lanes that you can take on this highway. None of them is wrong, mm-hmm. and it is okay to consider your options. Absolutely. And none is better than the other. Mm-hmm. Leaving academia is not a, oh, no, what happened? It's a, if that makes you happy, that's phenomenal. It doesn't mean you need a pre-statement of that. It just, yeah. if that's what you choose to do, awesome. Yeah, I do want to incorporate people's happiness because I think happiness right. sometimes gets overlooked. So if you are happiest doing academia and you've decided to pursue that, good on you. Mm-hmm. If you are happiest doing science communication and you decide to pursue that, Good on you. If you want to go and switch careers completely and you want to go from, I don't know, if you want to go from geography to computer science, makes you happy, you have the ability to do it, good on you. Mm-hmm. I don't like 
that there's this pervasive ranking of where people end up because are they happy? They can sustain themselves. Good for them. Mm -hmm. Don't hate on people because it's different from what you wanted or what you expected out of your own life. I would like to, again, thank the Javad Mavafarian Center for Brain Health for their continued support and for making this podcast possible at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. They have been incredible, top-notch to have in our corner. All right. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. All the best in 2020. We're back in January with a phenomenal interview with Dr. Angela Kaida. She's an associate professor at Simon Fraser University. I cannot wait for you to hear this interview. It was an absolute ball to record. <laughs>